The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South. Tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's up, Tiger football fans? We are inching ever closer to the 2018 season opener, and we are back with another podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined, as always, by our Memphis football beat writer, Evan Barnes, and uh, our producer, Jason Munns. We are here to talk some Memphis football, and it's been an eventful few days. We are, I think, 10 days away from the season opener against Mercer, and we finally know who the starting quarterback is going to be after a pretty eventful Tuesday in which we learned David Moore, the redshirt sophomore, has uh, elected to leave the team and transfer. Mike Norvell, uh, it, it had become obvious, but Mike Norvell named Brady White his starter for the Mercer game, and presumably... Uh, for the you know as long as he's healthy he will be the starter so yeah it was a pretty eventful practice on Tuesday and it will be interesting to see how Brady White does I think there's been a lot of speculation and uh, anticipation for what he could become ever since he transferred here in January he was a top 100 recruit in high school an an All American an Army All American in high school and was recruited by Mike Norvell at Arizona State. And now he grad transferred to Memphis. Can he be the third quarterback in a row to set records here at Memphis following in Paxton Lynch and, and Riley Ferguson's footsteps? I don't know. Evan, you've uh, you've watched him progress during this preseason. Uh, you've seen this. You saw this quarterback competition firsthand every day. What do you make of Brady White and what, what do you make of just the whole situation with uh, David Moore? Well, we'll start with Brady. The one thing that's in his favor is he's very, very accurate with the short passes that are needed in this offense. He does a great job of getting the ball out to his guys. He knows this offense, as we said. You know, he was recruited to this offense at Arizona State. He really did show a better grasp of it in some ways, although the battle, as we can honestly say now, was still kind of up in the air because even though Brady White started the majority of practices with the first unit, they still split reps. Um, even in Jackson, they were still splitting reps in some ways. So this decision really wasn't a surprise, so to speak. It was more of Brady went ahead, looked better going down the stretch, probably inched a bit closer. But as we all found out, we get to practice Tuesday, David Moore is not there. And we're all wondering what's going on. So with David Moore's decision, I think I was a little bit surprised by it, as everybody else was. Um, I expected that whoever lost this battle would probably transfer at the end of the season just because there's only one ball and you know either one whether it was Brady or David they had at least two years of eligibility possibly a third for Brady if he gets that hardship so I wasn't surprised by the transfer um as a decision I was just surprised when it happened and I'm pretty sure you probably could agree that you know it's a surprise that it happened before the season not say after the season right Yes and no. I don't. I don't want to. I don't begrudge David Moore one bit. If he felt there was a better opportunity for him elsewhere, and he saw the writing on the wall that Brady White was going to be the starter, I don't blame him for leaving. Um, just because he's waited his turn here, and if he wasn't going to get his turn here, you know, you're not. You know, a player like him. I mean, let's be just totally honest. Like the NFL is probably not in his future. This is probably. You know, he's got 
two years left, three years of eligibility left to play football competitively and to prove himself as a starting quarterback. And if he feels like there's an opportunity elsewhere, which is kind of what he indicated to you and in the text message he sent to you, I I don't blame him at all. I I sort of agree with you in that, say he drops down to FCS, uh, the FCS level like Brady Davis did. Um, I find it hard to believe that he's going to be able to win a starting job in this short amount of time before the season starts, but you never know. I mean, he's a pretty talented guy. So, you know, if you think about it in those terms, you know, maybe it is better just to, to stay here. Maybe Brady White gets injured and you do get your chance or Brady White struggles and you do get your chance and then you, you, you can take over the job. And so... Um, and then if you don't, then you leave after the season and, you know, it's his third year in college. Maybe he can graduate early and, and be a graduate transfer and go somewhere and play right away. So you can look at it both ways. You know, in these situations, it's, you know, I just tend to, you know, I just don't think you can hate on someone for doing what they feel is in their best interests. Um, I, I heard from, a you know, I heard from a lot of fans who supported David. I also heard from a lot of fans who were, you know, Oh, I can't believe he did this, but like they're thinking of it in terms of what's in the best interest of the Memphis Tigers, and they're right that it's not in the best interest of the Memphis Tigers for him to leave like this. But I think about these things in terms of if he feels like this is in his best interest, then so be it. So I, I actually I have a little more insight into this. So just to give people a little, I guess a little tease, this weekend uh, I am going to have a story out. I guess it will hopefully come out Friday on Kenny Dillingham and and this was agreed to well in advance of yesterday but yesterday they the the program granted me some behind the scenes access with Kenny Dillingham and the quarterbacks Kenny Dillingham the offensive coordinator and it just so happened the day I get the behind the scenes access is the first day they at, did not have David Moore and all this was going on and cuz I found it surprising what Mike Mike Norvell said publicly, kind of calling out David Moore's family publicly like that, kind of saying David had a lot of people in his ear. But I think that's what was most frustrating for him is I think if you put truth serum in Mike, he just wasn't comfortable with the dynamics behind the decision. Um, And I think he alluded to that when he talked with reporters. And I think that's what really bothered him more than anything, more than David Moore leaving 10 days before the season or or the fact that he's, you know, he's going to basically have two freshmen as his backup quarterbacks this year. I think it was just the process that led the led to the decision was not ideal in his mind. So it, it's going to be fascinating. What I also found fascinating be, being behind the scenes is how little David Moore, David Moore's departure was talked about behind the scenes outside of when reporters were talking to Mike and Kenny and today to Brady White like they this team had moved on even a day later you know like like the news came you know i guess the, the team probably found out monday evening and tuesday like there was just not really much talk of it and i think part of it was i think in the past week or so Brady had really kind of separated himself a little bit that scrimmage in Lambeth, I thought he was he ran the offense very well. And when you're when you're behind the scenes, you also realize just how complex Mike's offense is. And I think the mental part of it, Brady was ahead of David, um, just in terms of checks, in terms of you know where to throw the ball. Now, now I still think David Moore, in terms of 
creating explosive plays is the better option. But in terms of running Mike's offense, it seemed like Brady had kind of separated himself. And, and, and I think that's that was the key part. Um, although it should be noted that neither quarterback had been told they had won or lost the quarterback competition when David announced his transfer. But at the same time, there was probably some writing on the wall, so to speak, that Brady was going was gonna to win the job. Yeah, and honestly, it was, <clears throat> as you said, the battle was still to be decided. But I think after the scrimmage, it was clear, okay, Brady looked like he had inched a little bit farther ahead. Even Mike Norvell said to report to us, he said, we have clues now on where the, where the battle is headed. He never said that. He usually talked about talks about it in general terms, like, well, we're still evaluating. There were some good things here and there. But after that scrimmage, it was very telling how he said we had clues. And I was like, okay, well, what are those clues? Looks like we found out by Tuesday. But I think for me, what's interesting is, you know, the battle was just kind of, it was weird because the battle was still very close, but it wasn't like, one was just so far ahead. Like I was reading some of uh, my predecessor, Tom Shad's articles, and they talked about how Riley Ferguson was so far ahead when he was named quarterback. It was almost like the inevitable Riley Ferguson is going to be named. But with, with the, with Brady and David, it felt like Norvell almost didn't want to make the decision just yet because he was still trying to figure out who was the better quarterback, who was going to just come in and take this away. And, and Jason, you, Jason asked this question on Monday was if one of them had stood out, would he have made a decision and Mike said yes. So I think at this point, the battle was still up for grabs. But I guess David, like you said, he heard the writing on the wall. He saw what was going on. Maybe some people got to him and said, you know, hey, let's think about this a little bit. But yeah, so now now that Brady's here, I guess we'll see what happens. And now we have an interesting backup quarterback situation where you do have those two freshmen. And Mike Norvell did say that he felt that he was very confident about his backup quarterbacks this year compared to last year, which is very telling that you have two freshmen and you feel that way compared to what you had last year. So I think we'll be interested to see how that develops, especially with in case something does happen to Brady, because he is, he is coming off that foot injury and he said that he's fine. He hasn't shown any problems for it from it, but you are one injury away from going to a freshman. And I think no Memphis fan would want to see that just yet. That was going to be my point. You, you brought up the fact that what, what Mike said, being very confident in his backups and things like that. My thing is like, what else is he going to say? I mean, he's, he's got no choice, but to say that really, I mean, that's, that's what everybody wants to hear. Right. So he's going to say that, but, and, and you just alluded to it. We are one concussion or one list Frank injury, list Frank sprain away from a freshman being, you, you, you went from, you know, Brady white and David Moore, pretty good, comfortable situation there. Now you're to this to the point now where one hard hit to the head, and you're down to two or three freshmen. So I don't know. I think that's that's we've got storylines one A, one B, and one C, and that's I think that's a, a big one. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting because I think they really like Brady McBride. Like I think he's going to be the backup quarterback when all said. I know they're saying there's a competition, but McBride's arm is special. His his just his making play ability if that makes any sense is is really special um and you know i could see him being a starter down the line here he's a coach's son i think what mike meant by that is i think last year if david moore had to step in and be the quarterback they would have had to shrunk shrink the playbook i think with with the two guys they have now i think they feel like they wouldn't necessarily have to shrink the playbook if if they played um, maybe a little bit for McBride, um, just because he's, he's literally a couple months into learning this offense. 
But no, I think you're you're absolutely right, Jason. I think that's also part of this situation is that, you know, you had a little more comfort. You they had spent three years developing David Moore, and he would you know he would have been an, he would have been okay if he was in the game instead of Brady. And and let's be quite honest, like Brady is a pretty slight guy for a quarterback. He's not that big, and I just. You know, he doesn't you don't take hits in the preseason. Like, what's it going to be like when he when he has to take that first sack? And so that's definitely a concern. Awful lot of uh, fingers crossed and toes crossed, I'd imagine, on that sideline. I mean, luckily, you have an offensive line that has four returning starters and a fifth Dylan Parham, who um, I think they are really excited about, who's kind of just taken that last remaining starting job and run with it here in training camp and and i think but the other thing i think brady white's intelligence is going to be a huge asset for this team he knows this offense really well in a short amount of time and i know he knew some of it at arizona state because he played for mike you know he was in that program for a little bit while mike was there but um i think decision making wise i think he's going to be an asset for the for the team especially when you have you know, I just think this offense is going to be built around getting the ball to Daryl Henderson, to Tony Pollard, to Patrick Taylor, um, getting the ball to them in space on short to intermediate routes and letting them do the work. Because you know, I said this in my column, um, I think you know, other than durability, I think arm strength is also a concern with Brady. I don't think he throws a great deep ball, not yet. And um, it's getting better. I thought yesterday in practice he made some throws that were very impressive, the most impressive I've seen out of him so far in terms of deep outs and, and corner outs and things like that. So it will be it will be fascinating. I mean, we're we're fast approaching the season opener. I mean, they're they are full on into Mercer prep now at this point. Um, and the defense is working on Navy stuff already. They've been working on it for a while, actually, from talk, from a conversation I had with Chris Ball. So it it's it's a really fun time too. Like, 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 get beyond all the drama of the quarterback. Like, we're finally close to some real football. They're going to do like a dress rehearsal at the Liberty Bowl this weekend, and then we're going to be at game week. So, I'm I'm curious, Evan, what like have your expectations changed at all from the time we started preseason to now? Like for this team, like what you've seen in the preseason, do you feel? any less confident, more confident, or the same as, you know, sort of what we did when when we first uh, started seeing this team here in August? I feel pretty much the same for the most part. I still think this team is going to be better defensively. They do a great job getting turnovers. I think at practice um, this week they've done a better job with that. But I think defensively they're going to be much stronger. I'm excited to see them show that off. Um, offensively I'm still excited because – you still got Daryl Henderson running around. You still got Tony Pollard who can break loose any moment. I'm still excited. So I think my expectations for this team, I don't know if we're going to do predictions yet, but I still think this team won't just contend for the AAC West. They will get back to the AAC, AAC title game pending some of these games we may think. But I think they have a chance to at least contend the whole season. And I'm pretty excited because I think this team is showing a lot of potential. Maybe not as dynamic as last year, but they're still going to produce in in similar ways. What do you think, Mark? I think I'm a little less confident after watching cuz I just I don't I don't think I I worry about the quarterback situation. One, the durability of Brady White and two, the fact that I don't think 
as a he's essentially a first year starter. I know he's a grad transfer, but he has never really played a sizable amount of snaps in college football. And when you're a first time starter, there are inevitably going to be ups and downs. You're going to make mistakes and they are not going to be able to rely on the offense the way they did a year ago. I just don't see that happening. Like I think it'll be the offense will be pretty good just because Norvell's system is great, but I think the defense is going to have to be really good for them to um, truly sort of reach the expectations that a lot of the prognosticators have for them, like winning the AAC West. Um, like I just think this is I've said this all along. I think this is gonna be more like Riley Ferguson's first year when they went eight and four during the regular season and the first half of the year there were some bumps in the road and then when Riley really started to find his groove in this offense, um, they took off as an offense. And so I would say I'm a little less but I still think they're gonna have a good year. But I just I just wonder about winning the division. I don't know, you know, that seems it like like I said in my column after media day, if they do that, I think, you know, it would be Mike Norvell's greatest feat yet. I know they have a lot of talent, but there's some key sort of things I need to see before I'm, you know, totally bullish on this team. I tend to lean more toward your assessment, I guess is what we're going to call it. But one thing that I would like to know, uh, know about is from Evan, what is, what is Brady White's, like communication, like that's going to be a big thing. It's not necessarily, can he make the throws? Can he escape the pressure? Can he learn the playbook? Like what is his communication like with the offense? And cause, and, and you really never know until the lights come on, you know, let's be honest, but, um, but has it been, has it been pretty good? I mean, does, are they all on the same page? It feels like they're getting better at it because I've noticed that after practice a few times, White's been building rapport with his receivers. He spent time afterwards trying to get his timing down with them. And he, when he came here, he told me that he really wants to go to work on getting to know everybody and get that situated. So his communication has gotten better. He has a great relationship with um, Sean Dykes as well. I saw them you know, connect on a few long passes. So I think that's going to be key. But I think he has improved and shown that he has a relationship with these guys and he will probably um, – that won't be as much a concern as, say – like Mark said, probably how will he get used to this offense in live speed against a pass rush, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll give you some insight there. So at the end of every night when this team, uh, every day, they have like a big team meeting at like 8.30 at night. It's the last thing they do. And um, each it's player-led. I was not allowed in this yesterday when I was given behind-the-scenes access, but I just know it's player-led. Players get in front of the whole team and speak to the team. And apparently Brady had his turn about a week ago. And I think something happened. I don't know exactly what happened, but I do think something happened there where he really connected with the team, with what he said in front of the group. Um, And Mike almost talked. I don't know if you if you heard him when he was talking about Brady yesterday, he almost mentioned something about it. He goes, when you hear this kid speak in front of, and then he stopped himself and went on to a different tangent because I don't think he wanted to really put the specifics out there. But he did something there that I think bonded him closer with this entire team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure exactly what it is, whether he just told his story or what, but he got in front of the group and you know basically did a good sell for himself. And you know, like yesterday, a perfect example, like him and Daryl Henderson 
are getting closer. You can tell like Daryl Henderson was, you know, Daryl Henderson was like, I can throw a football 60 yards without stepping. And Brady was like, Brady White was like, no, you can't. No, you can't. Like, there's no way. There's no way. And, and Daryl Henderson was like insistent, like, I can do it. I can do it. And so Brady White go, okay, bet on it. Ten bucks. And Daryl Henderson did not take the bet. And Brady was like, oh, see, of course. Like, you can't do it. You won't even bet on it. And then so Daryl just did it anyways. And Daryl Henderson, can, he threw the ball 57 yards. Without stepping. It was pretty impressive. But then, of course, Brady White goes, you still wouldn't have gotten the $10. Let's just clarify that you were talking about Monopoly money, right? They're betting Monopoly money, right? It's not, it's not real money, I wouldn't think. Now, how long did you spend with the, the – I mean, were you morning to night? So I, I was with Kenny Dillingham the whole day, and I got there. He gets there every morning at 5.45 in the morning. So I was there at 5.40 to be there to greet him when he got there. And he was, they left, last night was a pretty uh, short night. There was, uh, you know, for them, they left at like 8.45 at night. And you were there the whole time? I was there the entire time. So look I was not allowed in some of the meetings, like the right. staff meetings where they were talking about players, I was not allowed in. But I was in quarterback meetings, I was at their walkthrough in the afternoon, I was with, you know, I was with Kenny while he was preparing for meetings, Um so it should be a really fun piece for yeah. people to read. Look forward um, to it. And, and they'll yep. get an insight into how this operation works and sort of what Kenny Dillingham's role is. Because kind of the crux of this is what is it like, what is a day in the life like for a 28-year-old first-time offensive coordinator, which is what Kenny Dillingham is. And so I think uh, I think people will enjoy it. Um, I still have to write it, so uh, we should get off this podcast uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I can get, segue. so I can get yep. to work. Um, but thanks so much for joining us. We will be back next week when it will be game week. We will be days away from the Mercer game. We will probably give you our season, our real season predictions, not just kind of the wishy-washy stuff we just said with exact win and loss records. We'll probably talk a little bit about Mercer, a little bit more about stuff other than the quarterbacks. Um, so join us then. Uh, till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Thanks so much. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.